morning, church. Scripture reading this morning comes from Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 through 6. If you'd like to use the Pew Bible in front of you, you can find it on page 10. This is Genesis 15, verses 1 through 6. Would you please rise in honor of the reading of God's holy and inerrant word? Genesis 15, 1 through 6. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars if you're able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Well, let me just first take a moment to say happy Mother's Day. Whether you've been a mother just for a, a little bit or a mother for many years, let me express our gratitude to all of you for the way you sacrificially nurture and care for your families each and every day. Let's pray. Father, as we come before your word this morning, I ask that your Holy Spirit would be at work in a sovereign and powerful way. Give us insight into what you would have each of us draw out from Scripture to apply to our lives. I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Back in December of 1988, on a rainy day, my family and I were on a highway to the airport here in Houston, and we were on our way to a trip in Colorado. I was two years old at the time. My parents were there, and my 14-year-old sister was in the back. Her name was Carol. And on the highway, several vehicles ahead of our car, there was a, a truck that was driving. And all of a sudden, there was a, 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 there's this refrigerator that falls off from the back of the truck, which sparks this chain reaction, one car after another, stopping one car after another. And my dad's able to stop our car on time. But the 18-wheeler behind us was not able to stop and, and rams right into the back of our car. And when, we, when a rear collision like that happens, the rear doors can get jammed, which it did, which they did. And worse yet, not only that all this happened, but for some reason, the car set on fire. And in the course of time, because my sister couldn't get out and on her own, she, she passed away. 
in the fire. My parents and I were able to escape, but my father, in trying to go back and rescue my sister, unfortunately suffered just severe burns all over his body and almost died himself. Romans 8.28 says that we know that God works all things for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. Really? Really, God? Even this? Even this? How are you going to work good out of a tragedy like this, God? I know there are some of you here this morning who are also going through very difficult seasons of your lives. Maybe it's a health issue of your own. Maybe it's, maybe it's a health issue of someone you love dearly. Maybe you're going through some very difficult relational tension with someone close to you that you love. Or it's something at work that you're going through, just, just great hardship. And in the midst of all this, you might be wondering, can I really trust God? Will he really pull through and carry me through all of this? You see, we live in a world where seeing is believing. You don't believe something until you can prove it or verify it. If you can't see it, hear it, touch it, taste it, feel it, what good is there to believe in this? And you know, if you're on the outside looking in, Christianity is just plain weird. We Christians believe in a God we can't see, a God we can't touch. We Christians trust in what God says is true about this world and the world to come. We Christians have this thing called faith, which is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. The question I want to ask this morning is this. In a world where seeing is believing, what does it look like to trust in a God we can't see, who says he can do more than we can imagine? We're continuing on today in our study of the book of Genesis. And in particular, we're looking at a life of a man named Abram who turns out to be a real key figure in the storyline of the Bible. And I want, you to, I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15. It's the first book of the Bible, Genesis, which makes things easy if you're new to Christianity or you're not familiar uh, with the Bible just yet. You can use the Pew Bible in front of you. And just flip to that first book in the Bible. That's Genesis. So we're in Genesis chapter 15, and we'll be going through verses 1 through 6. Just for some context, back in chapter 12, Abram's given a promise that he will become a great nation by God, that in him all the families of the earth will be blessed. Abram's told to leave this place called Haran and go to a land that God will show him. And he does so by faith at the ripe old age of 75. He heads southwest to a land known as Canaan, which is along the, uh, the, the eastern side of the Mediterranean Sea. 
roughly where modern-day Israel is right now. God then promises Abram that his offspring would be given this land of Canaan. In chapter 13, Abram's given a reminder of God's promise about the innumerable offspring he's going to have one day. And God does so by comparing the number of Abraham's, Abram's descendants to the dust of the earth. They won't be able to be counted because God's going to do the unimaginable. So now we're here in chapter 15, and we see God approaching Abram in a vision. And in this vision, these next six verses, I want you to, what I want to do is take a look at the story of Abram and see what we can learn about his faith and the God he put his faith in. And the question again for us that I want to pose this morning is this. In a world where seeing is believing, what does it look like to trust in a God we can't see who says he can do more than we can imagine? And the main thing I want, to, I want you to take away from, from this is this. The more we know the God we trust, the more we can trust in him. The more we know the God we trust, the more we can trust in him. And I see three specific things in this passage about the God we trust in that I want to show you. And in doing so, I hope to grow your trust in God, in a God that none of us can see, but he's real. He rewards those who seek him, and he's able to do far more than all we can ask or imagine. And the first thing I see is this. Trust in a God who can handle your doubts. Trust in a God who can handle your doubts. Look down at verse 1 with me. After the things, these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. Here in this chapter, we get a glimpse of Abram's state of mind at this point. Fear not is the word from the Lord which could mean that God knew what was on Abram's mind, that maybe he was feeling a bit unsettled. Maybe he was feeling a bit anxious about how God was actually going to come through on his promises. Things were perhaps looking a bit hopeless. His wife still hadn't borne him any physical children, and time was ticking. They were only getting older. Look down at verse 2. But Abram said, O Lord, God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. Apparently, Abram was worried because he, he didn't have any physical offspring just yet. And at this point, his, own, his, his heir was going to be Eliezer, a servant of his. You see, back in those days, if you didn't have a physical children of your own, then it was customary to pick out someone from among your own slaves to pass off your inheritance to. And so there's some doubts here in Abram's mind because God's promise to him and his present reality just don't add 
up. Offspring? That'll become a great nation? That'll become uncountable like the dust of the earth? No physical child? There's just simply no link to bridge the present realities with the unimaginable, mind-blowing promises of God. And the word to Abram here is relax. Relax. Trust me. I know what I'm doing. You see, the story of Abram is a story of how God, an unseen God, being fully in control, fulfills his purposes and his plans in his own timing and in his own way. And what the story also tells us is that with God, there's room for questions. There's room for doubt. There's something to learn here for anyone who also struggles with doubts when it comes to trusting in an unseen God who claims some unimaginable things when reality just don't seem to add up. You know, God's given Christians many promises in the Bible. And one of those I mentioned earlier, it's incredible. Sometimes hard to believe. But Romans 8.28 says that God's going to work all things for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. From Abram's story today, what I want you to see is that even in embracing the promises of God like this for ourselves, there's room for doubts. There's room for questions because we trust in a God who can handle our doubts. This past week, I had the opportunity to get on a phone call and ask my mom some more about her experiences with the car accident. It's been over 34 years now, and losing a 14-year-old daughter is no easy thing. Did she have doubts about God after the accident happened? Absolutely. Did she wonder how God would ever bring good out of all this tragedy? Absolutely. Something my mother wondered was why such bad things could happen when they were good people. They, they were going to church. She had questions. Where's God? Why did he take away her beloved daughter? I think it's a good thing to be honest with where we're at. To expose the doubts and confusion and, and questions you have inside of you when faced with hard things in life. When trusting in a God you can't see to pull through for you is the last thing on your mind. But just like the way God deals with Abram, what I want you to see is that with our God, there's room for doubts. There's room for confusion. There's room for questions. He can handle them. But the question is, how are you going to handle them? For those of you who are Christians but are going through some really challenging seasons of your lives right now, my challenge to you is to be honest with where you're at. Be honest with your doubts, your questions. When you're with your small group later this week or with some trusted friends, I want to encourage you to share your heart, these hard things with them. Share what's going on inside of your heart. Seek out their counsel. Seek out their prayer. 
Because you know what? God can use other Christians to be the means by which he extends his gracious comfort and care to you and to me in our deepest moments of pain and confusion. For those of you who are parents, make it a habit to talk with your children regularly about faith. What I try to do is um, bring things up in the car because you have them with you, they're stuck with you. As I'm driving my kids to the school, one, one of the things I like to ask, my kids will know this, but I like to ask each of my sons something like this. What question do you have about God or Christianity or being a Christian? And for my older son, I, my oldest son, I add the uh, option to ask about other religions and just give them a chance to talk, ask away whatever's on their minds. Make space in the life of your family for spiritual conversations, especially when your kids are still young, when they're still forming their thoughts about this world and how it all works. For those of you who haven't crossed the line of, of faith and still have lingering doubts and confusion about Christianity, here's what I would say to you. It's one thing to have doubts and questions. It's another thing to do due diligence in dealing with those doubts and questions that you have about God. So don't just sit there and, and, and let them mull around inside of you. My call to action for you is to schedule a meetup with someone with, that you know is a Christian this week. If you don't know Christians very well, there's a welcome booth in the back. And just ask to meet with someone. And talk about some of the things you've always wondered about when it comes to faith and spirituality. Look, there's nothing wrong with doubts or questions, but there's something missing in the equation if you never look for the answers. So in a world where seeing is believing, what does it look like to trust in a God we can't see who says he can do more than we can imagine? Listen, the more we know the God we trust, the more we can trust in him. So first, trust in a God who can handle your doubts. And second, trust in a God who reveals his plans at his own pace. Moving along in this exchange between God and Abram, we see how God responds to Abram and his doubts. I want you to look down at verse 4 with me. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Earlier in Abram's story, God makes some unimaginable promises to Abram. He's going to make Abram into a great nation that would eventually be a blessing to all the families of the earth. But here in chapter 15, God reveals just a bit more about how he was going to fulfill that promise. He gives Abram a bit more clarity about how He's going to make it all happen. 
the revelation goes like this. All the promises for Abram weren't going to come about through Abram's servant. No. They were going to come about through his own flesh and blood. You see, there are times when God graciously reveals a bit more about his plans and his purposes for our lives. Things we previously did not understand or know in order to dispel confusion about something or in order to reassure us that he knows what he's doing, that he knows where he's taking us. For Abram, God's revelation here doesn't necessarily answer the how question completely, but it still gives this sense that he's going to have to do something supernatural. He's going to have to do the impossible for this to come through. But my point is that we trust in a God who reveals his plans at his own pace. And in his sovereign wisdom, our job is to just keep walking, to just keep pressing forward and trusting him. Many of you know that that I'm in the middle of a long journey of trying to start a new church, a multi-ethnic church in West Houston. And, And it's been a real big struggle of mine, particularly around the area of trying to form a team that's as diverse as we want it to be. And we're trying to wait till this team gets diverse enough to to move on into this next stage of church planting. And God's brought people from from this church and other other churches to be part of the team. And I've been looking and trying to recruit people from outside this church, especially people who don't look like me. But it has been hard, to be honest. It has been really hard to keep waiting in this season of building this team and waiting for God to bring the right people to join us. But with each person, each couple that God brings to join our team, he gives a bit more clarity of what this team's going to look like and how this is all going to unfold. And I think the story of Ethnos Church will be one where looking back, we will celebrate the faithfulness and the goodness of God. How will this diverse church planning team come together? Who are going to be the people that this church eventually reaches and helps bring to faith in Christ? How are we going to multiply again one day, send out our best people to start new churches again and again? There's so much to look forward to. But our God is a God who reveals his plans and his purposes at his own pace. And our job is to just keep walking, just keep pressing forward, trusting him. In the same way, you might be in a situation where you don't exactly know how God is going to unfold his plans. What's my life going to look like after high school or after college or after grad school? Who am I going to marry one day? Should I take this job in this other city or stay here in Houston? Or how is this this problem with my health going to turn out in the long run? And what can drive us to worry sometimes is that things aren't happening on our own timeline. Things aren't working out in the way that we thought they were. But God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways. And as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. 
So keep living out each day just like Abraham would have and faithfully carry out what's in front of you today. Trust that God will work his good plans for your life in the way that he wants, in the timing that he wants, and that he'll give you glimpses of the next steps just at the time where he thinks is best. There are times when the only thing to do is to wait. And sometimes waiting is just the hardest part about trusting God. It's not coming through at the, the pace you expect. And so you get disappointed. You get discouraged. But God knows what he's doing. And the Bible reassures us that none who wait on God will be put to shame. Listen, the more we know the God we trust, the more we can trust in him. So trust in a God who can handle your doubts. Trust in a God who reveals his plans at his own pace. And finally, trust in a God who honors those who simply take him at his word. In this whole exchange between God and Abram, I think the most significant verse that we read in this passage is verse 6. Look down there with me. And he, that's Abram, believed the Lord. And he, that's God, counted it to him, Abram, as righteousness. Abram believed what God was telling him, simply put, about all that God was going to do for him in the future, that the number of his offspring was going to be uncountable as the, the stars in the sky that as impossible as it was turning out to be, he was going to have those promised descendants come through his own flesh and blood. And what's remarkable about what happens next is that God counts this belief, this faith, this trust in God. He counts, he counts all of that as righteousness. Abram simply took God at his word and God honored him by counting Abram's right faith as righteousness. Now, what exactly does that mean? It means this. Abram's faith in God, his simple trust in what God was telling him was enough for God to put Abram in right standing with him. Listen to what one commentator says about this. Abram believes God's word to him of a seed through whom he will bless the nations and God reckons Abram's sure confidence in him to keep that promise as equivalent to keeping the law, as equivalent to all righteousness. The Apostle Paul, later on in the New Testament, as he writes his letter to the Romans, explains this verse by connecting it to the way that becoming a Christian works. I just want to read this to you from Romans chapter 4, starting in verse 20. No belief made him, this is Abram, no, unbelief made him uh, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness, but the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. 
It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Listen, Genesis 15:6 was written for us. God honored Abram, who simply took God at his word, and even now, God will honor those who simply take him at his word and are fully convinced that he can do what he promises. What are those promises? There's some of you here today who need to hear some very specific promises that God's making to you. Some of you may know a lot about Christianity, but just aren't ready to take those next steps of personal commitment to Jesus, and that's okay. That's all right. Some of you here might not know much about what it means to be a Christian at all. You're just curious. You're interested. I'm glad you're here. Now, I know the message of Christianity can just seem out of this world to some people. But I want you to understand that we Christians look at this world the way we do because we're simply taking God at his word. We're taking God at his word when he tells us that not only did he make everything in this world, but he made everything for one purpose and one purpose alone, and that is to glorify God. We're taking God at his word when he tells us that every one of us is born into a situation where our hearts are so naturally corrupted by sin that we're enslaved to this mindset of rebellion against his kingship. We want nothing to do with him. But we Christians also take God at his word when he tells us that every one of us is going to be held accountable for our rebellion against him and that we are obligated to pay back our debt to him by spending an eternity in hell. And we Christians also take God at his word when he tells us that in his great love for us, he planned a rescue mission for sinners like us and involved his son, Jesus Christ, coming to earth in flesh, in the flesh to live the life we should have lived and to die the death we should have died. We Christians take God at his word when he tells us that in his mind, sins cannot be forgiven unless there is shedding of blood. We take God at his word when he tells us that Jesus was sent to shed his blood, to die on the cross in our place, to purchase the forgiveness of our sins. We Christians take God at his word when he tells us that Jesus was raised back to life and even now to be the one to whom every knee should bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. And so this, the question is this. Will you take God at his word? Will you take God at his word when he promises that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved? Will you take God at his word when he promises that he'll forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness if you simply confess your sins to him and receive his forgiveness based on Jesus, what he did on the cross for you? 
Will you take God at his word when he says that you can be made right with him by turning away from your life of sin and turning to Jesus as your Lord and your Savior? Just like Abram, God promises to count your faith as righteousness. To count your faith in Jesus and what he's done for you as righteousness because he's going to credit to you the righteousness of Jesus himself. The Bible says God made him, that's Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. For those of you who are Christians here, I want you to notice something interesting that I picked up from a commentary. Um, the story of Abram in Genesis 15 isn't the first time that we see Abram exercising his faith. No, Abram's already been living a life of faith all the way up until this point, And in chapter 15, he simply continues to exercise that faith in God. He simply continues to take God at his word. And what this tells us is that faith is something we continually exercise towards God in the Christian life. It's not a one-time thing. Last month, there's a period of time where I was just struggling with some very sinful, impure thoughts that would come to mind. They're typically thoughts that were intrusive. They were unwanted, but nevertheless unholy and dishonoring to God. During my prayer times, I would confess these sinful thoughts to the Lord. And as I did, I also began to rediscover the gift of taking God at his word through his promise in 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I would just pray something like this. God, thank you for your promise to cleanse me from all unrighteousness if I confess my sins God, I received this promise from you for myself. And you know, even after being a Christian for, for many years, I'm so grateful for the gift of a clean conscience. You see, faith isn't something that's a one-time thing. It's something we're to exercise day after day in the Christian life. Some of you might be struggling with some deep-rooted sins right now as well. Let me encourage you to schedule some time to meet with one or two trusted friends by the end of this week and just share what's been going on in your life. Receive prayer, receive accountability. And at the same time, in your personal times of prayer with the Lord, I want you to take God at his word and pray through 1 John 1, 9 as well for yourself, confessing your sins and experiencing God's cleansing by faith. On the morning that my family boarded that car on the way to the airport, one thing that my mother recalls and remembers is that they were in such a rush. And so she put me as a two-year-old up in front with them. She literally buckled me in with her. We shared the same seatbelt. She'd never done that before. I usually sit in the back with my sister. But because of that decision, God providentially spared my parents of losing two children 
both children on the same day. And the good that eventually came out of this tragedy was that my parents drew closer to God. God turned them away from being simply churchgoers chasing after the American dream to Christ lovers who, who were seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. God works all things for those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. The more we know the God we trust, the more we can trust in him. So trust in a God who can handle your doubts. Trust in a God who reveals his plans at his own pace. And trust in a God who honors those who simply take him at his word. Let's pray. Father, help us know you more so we can trust you more. Like Abram, enable us to keep living by faith and not by sight. It's in Jesus' name I pray.